What's up, you guys, and welcome back to another episode of the 90s Called Podcast. I'm your host, Jess. Thanks for joining me today. So today I'm going to talk about two different things. The first thing I want to talk about is that I tried Fun Dip again for the first time in a while. My sister brought it back from work, and I was actually pretty excited to see what it tasted like since I hadn't had piles of sugar in a long time. And it might have been the flavor, but it didn't taste as good as it used to. Uh, I mean, okay, look, everybody knows if you listen to the green green apple. Wow, okay, I kind of jumped ahead there. If you listen to the Halloween candy episode that I put out, then you'll know I have like a almost personal vendetta against green apple candies. And that's primarily because of Skittles deciding to change lime to green apple. And I don't think I will ever get over that. And I'm just glad that it's back now. But I tried it again for fun dip and the flavor was a green apple raspberry i don't know if it was just not as good as i remember or if i'm just really that sensitive to the taste of green apple but i literally did not taste the raspberry part of it at all to the point that the second it touched my tongue i was like oh that is green apple that's a lot of green apple and immediately disliked it now here's the funny part when i was a kid i absolutely loved the powder of the fun dip But now that I'm older, I actually like the taste of the stick more than I enjoy the taste of the powder. I mean, back then, quite frankly, the stick was just a way for you to get your spit-covered pile of powder into your mouth and and stick it back to the bag and over and over again, which, as I pointed out in that candy episode, a lot of the candy that we had back then had to do with spit, but in general... No, people didn't really like the stick back then, or I could be wrong, it's just what was supposed to really like the powder, but now I really enjoy the stick more than anything else. I took one try of the powder, immediately said no, and just ate the stick as the rest of my candy. The second thing I want to talk about, which quite frankly is probably going to be its own episode in December, is why do so many different channels, especially Freeform and Hallmark and other ones, why do they have to have countdowns? to the holiday specials that they're going to show. Because when you do the countdown, you're literally showing the same movies that you're going to show when you do the actual holiday special. So over the years, obviously, everybody knows about the 25 Days of Christmas on Freeform, but they also had the countdown to the 25 Days of Christmas, which it showed Christmas things. So how do you have a countdown of the Christmas things to show more Christmas things when you're just showing the same Christmas things? Thankfully, this year, they decided to do the 30 Days of Disney, which is fine for me because a lot of movies that people don't particularly think are Disney ahead of time are Disney, and I can watch those, like Freaky Friday, because if you ask me what my favorite Disney movie is, it goes straight to animated rather than like live action, but in, I'm just happy that now they're doing that rather than the 25 Days of Christmas, because I was... Or, I mean, the countdown. Because I was always making a joke saying, you have the 25 days of Christmas, the countdown to the 25 days of Christmas, and next thing you know, they're going to have a countdown to the countdown of the 25 days of Christmas. I don't know if they figured out that there was some sort of money that they weren't making, or if people were getting tired, if there's some sort of social media backlash, but I'm just glad that they decided to change it, so that way there's at least some new things that we can watch as times go on going into the holiday season. But speaking of holiday season, because it is the month of November, that means that we have the holiday of Thanksgiving coming up. So that's where it got me the idea of a theme of sorts of the episodes for this month of being for sports movies. 
And in this case, it was primarily because I had re-recently watched uh, Little Giants. And that is like a staple Thanksgiving kind of movie for me. So I was like, oh, you know, I kind of miss movies like this. They're like, it didn't have to make much sense. There was always an overarching plot that you could pretty much guess what was going to happen in every single one. It was just silly and goofy. And it made you actually, as a kid, want to go out and play that sport or have that adventure. Why don't they make more movies like that now? Side note, they probably do, and I'm probably too old to appreciate them, or I'm just shaking my head and rolling my eyes at the acting within it. Not that the acting in all of the 90s movies were, like, spectacular, but I just don't feel like they hit the same. So I figured, why not go back and rewatch some of my favorite sports movies and talk about it with you guys. So here is the first episode, I guess, of the four, five, six, I don't know how many, of the sports movies. This one, we're going to talk about sports movies in general, and then I do have other ones coming up, like I said, for the Little Giants ones, that's going to be specific sports movies that were my favorites. I did think about doing Sandlot as its own one for this month, and if I don't get to it, I think I'm going to do that in the summer because it's like a quintessential summer movie. But in any case, let's get started. So with 90s sports movies, those were the movies that Almost at any point when we were probably bothering our parents, we were told to sit down and watch. And some of it is like, I don't even really know how we got the movies. Maybe our parents went to the store, saw a dog playing basketball on the cover, and thought it was a good one to buy, and we just had it. Of course, being a child, you don't really think of where things come from. It's just more along the matter of it's there. And of course, some of these movies did have their run in theaters as well but in general i'm just thinking of i'm pretty sure most of these movies i did not see in theaters i can just about guarantee i did not and i just had them and or rented them or saw them on tv or saw them at after school care or some sort of a daycare type thing so i'm pretty sure we all saw it in essentially the same way is that we saw it on tv saw it in some sort of daycare some sort of babysitting kind of thing someone had it and we watched it but I also think that part of the nostalgia that we have in life in general is because of these movies. These movies sit in a time frame where we didn't have social media hounding us every day after school. We didn't have our phones attached to our hands. This was a time where you would wake up in the middle of the day if you slept in during the summer. I am not a sleeping in person. Can't really relate to that. But you would wake up, you would call... Because, yes, you did have to use a landline and talk to someone else's parents to reach someone. But call someone else's house and ask, what are you doing today? Or are you doing anything today? And then you would meet up somewhere and you would just go and hang out about your day. Now, myself, having five siblings, I didn't have to call other people to go out and hang out. I had my siblings that I could just, like, let's go outside. And we would go outside and play and ride bikes and pretty much make up games to play or our imaginations and let us run wild but you know essentially same thing and it pretty much just gave us the idea that every day was an adventure you could go outside to go rollerblading and next thing you know the neighborhood kids were playing a game of street hockey with you or you would play in your own driveway and you pretend that you were the mighty ducks or whatever other hockey team that you were into at the time if you even knew what hockey was or you would uh, go across the city and meet up with other people randomly and just drop into someone's house and hang out. And you wouldn't go home until the streetlights were about to come on. 
because that was the other caveat is that you had to be home before dark or before the streetlights came on. That's just one generation. I want to say one generation's view because it was Gen X's have it the same one, but it's like it was that one time frame in life where you literally could just go and hang out and do what you wanted so long as you were back at a point that your parents didn't start to miss you and your parents just expected you to be okay like stranger danger and not talking to people in public and the fear of being kidnapped was not as prevalent i would say as now to the point that if i see kids playing outside i even i slightly question it so i'm like oh where are your parents i'm like looking around just to make sure that there's someone watching them or i would be just hyper vigilant of who is around just to make sure it's not anything that might be kind of shady when we were kids, and I'm sure kids now don't really pay close attention to it either, but when we were kids, we didn't really think about it. We would just hang out with our friends and run around town and run around the neighborhood and do whatever it was that we wanted to have fun. And then eventually show back up at their houses, either covered in blood from having run into mailboxes and stuff while we were riding our bikes or playing a very harsh game of football or just doing stupid kid things. That would be bandaged up, take a bath, and then we'd be good to go for the next day. And when you would see your friends again, you would talk about the awesome fun that you had to those who couldn't show up or just reminisce about it and do everything again the next day. 100% the 90s sports movies fell into that feeling. And for me, that is why I like to go back and rewatch them. They're kind of silly. They don't make sense half the time. I mean, a, a basketball playing dog. Yes, Buddy did actually exist in real life. but generally that doesn't happen so things like that it just suspended your disbelief it suspended your disbelief about everything that was going on but i think the biggest draw of the movies was the fact that it made it feel like you had friends you were the one who was running around with the mighty ducks trying to help them win their hockey games you were playing baseball with the guys from the sandlot also probably had your first crushes depending on the ratio of guys to girls in the movies as well which is also something i'm probably going to get into a little bit in some of these movie recaps but primarily you just didn't feel alone anymore so you might not have been the most popular in your class or you didn't have any friends in your neighborhood or your classmates lived too far away so that you couldn't go and hang out with them over the summer you had the guys and girls from these movies that kept you entertained and felt like they were your friends as well. So you didn't feel as lonely or bored, depending on whether or not you actually were able to spend the summer with people or if you hung out with some relatives or you went to a place where there were no other kids around. They were always there for you. And I think that's a really big draw for the movies. And I think it's something that we really wish that we could get back to. But to go on a less somber note, we're going to start talking about some of the bigger movies of the times that were the, at least that I remember it, were the bigger sports movies. So in this case, I can't start off talking about 90s sports movies without talking about Space Jam. And I can't not talk about Space Jam because at that point in time in the 90s, everybody knew who Michael Jordan was. Except me. Because I didn't quite understand that Michael Jordan was a huge deal by the time that Space Jam came around. So, I am the youngest, or one of the youngest of my family. So when Space Jam came out and I was watching Space Jam, I did not care about Michael Jordan more than I cared about watching the Looney Tunes. 
it wasn't until later that I kind of understood that the movie was supposed to be highlighting and like following Michael Jordan's career from basketball to baseball with the Looney Tunes aspect to it. And I just thought, hey, you know, it's it's the plot of a movie. This guy played basketball and then he played baseball and he's not good at it. And then the Looney Tunes are trying to make him be better at basketball. Like I literally took it at face value. No idea at all. That Michael Jordan was so big. And that's hilarious to say now because Michael Jordan was all over the 90s. Like, you can watch this documentary to get an idea of how big he was. You can watch David Beckham's documentary to get an idea of how big he was in the sports world. Still, back then, didn't really know, didn't really care. I didn't get the whole David Beckham thing until much, much later. But... As you can tell now, if you are really big in sports, chances are at some point you're going to pop up in a kid's sport movie, Cough Cough Space Jam 2. Again, not a huge fan of basketball or LeBron James, so I didn't really understand why that happened. And nor did I think that they needed to make a Space Jam 2, but I'm not going to push my opinion onto that really at all. They ruined Lola. I think Lola was better in the first one. But, okay, so... Space Jam, that was a really, really big movie. Again, Michael Jordan's name added onto that probably is what really pushed it forward, of course, with Bugs Bunny being as big as he was, too. Pushed it forward to being a really popular 90s movie, especially in the fact that because of his name, there are a lot of endorsements and toys and commercial deals that went along with it because it's easy. Like, you already have all the basketball games on whatever console it was at the time. And then if you add Looney Tunes onto it, that's another video game you can easily get out of there. Those are easy toys that you can make. Those are easy commercials that you can make to promote it. And we all ate it up to the point that when I was in high school, we did Spirit Week and we had to do, I think the theme was just movies. We decided to do Space Jam for ours. Just because we all watched the movie and we all loved it. And I can easily say it is still one of my favorite movies to watch. I can almost quote it back to back. Little nerdlings. I think they're called nerdlings. They might be nerdlucks. Little aliens in the movies. I quote those. I can quote them so easily. It's not even funny. And I think they were my favorite part now that I think about it. But the draw for Space Jam, really, unless you were a basketball fan, which, again, as a kid, I was not, didn't get it. Um, it primarily was the Looney Tunes that got you into it. And it was just because Looney Tunes, as we all know, is just so silly and wacky and doesn't need to make sense. That being compiled into a movie where you were rooting for them to win was just a really, really good combo of sports movies. Now, going on to that, too, it is pretty much the same formula for all sports movies. Generally, it's some sort of a ragtag team that you don't expect to win, works hard, perseveres, and wins at the end. And in this case, that worked out with Space Jam in a slightly different way because you expected them to win, you wanted them to win, and you were like excited when they won at the end, especially with Michael Jordan's arm stretch to um, win the game because he finally ended up understanding the Looney Tunes physics. But apart from that, every single other movie played the same way. You thought they would, and then the Monstars ended up stealing the talent from the other basketball players, which 
I don't quite think needed to be its own plot because I thought it dragged things down at times. But I did not make that movie, so okay. Um, so when it came to the point where they stole the talent, not only did it make the monsters creepy, creepy villains and kind of scary, which is like perfect for that ven venue genre is what I'm trying to say for that genre. It also raised the stakes to the point that you didn't actually know if they were going to win. Of course, it is Looney Tunes and it is a kids movie, so they kind of do have to win. But you never knew for sure until everything happened at the very end of the movie. And I think that's what held our attention and kept us in the edge of the seats, other than just being entertaining in general. So we all know they made a Space Jam 2. And for me, I don't think they needed to make it primarily because it was so long since the first one. I do understand as well because of unions and things that it made it that voice actors had to change and I think that's also where now my annoyance in terms of animated movies comes from because I am a huge fan of say Rob Paulson and Tara Strong and other Gray Delisle and other voice actors and actresses who are amazing in every role that they do who don't get chances to do big movies like that because the star power that's attached instead a hundred percent. If you grew up in the 90s and you watched Animaniacs, you probably know the President's Song or Yakko's World. Like, I, the fact that Rob Paulson can still do Yakko's World off the top of his head is amazing. The fact that Tara Strong can do so many different voices from Raven to Dill to Timmy to Bubbles, especially Bubbles. And, like, the wide range... Oh, and Ben 10. I love Ben 10. A uh, wide range of voices don't get the same opportunities as... Uh, let's just say Zendaya. I, I didn't really have much of an issue with Zendaya as Lola and the fact that it did make Lola more of a fleshed-out character for Space Jam 2. However, I did really actually like... Lola being essentially a femme fatale for the movie. And I thought Kath Susie did a great job with her voice. So I was disappointed that it wasn't the same one. Um, in terms of story, I thought the movie was good. I thought that points of humor was good as well. I just, it just really was hard for me to get past the fact that there were people who consistently have careers out of voice acting, couldn't do the same thing for the movies. But if you were a fan of Space Jam, and you're my age or older, have your kids watch Space Jam 2. It's not bad. For something that could have been redone, I think it was done well. Right now, if I was to redo Space Jam, I would probably have done... This is probably all, this is also why I decided to start talking with Space Jam. I would have done the ideas they originally had, where they would have taken different sports and had the Looney Tunes go into it too. Specifically, I would have loved to watch Skate Jam, which would have been Space Jam with Tony Hawk. So Space Jam 2 essentially would have been where it was the Looney Tunes characters learning how to skateboard or doing a skateboard competition and would have had Tony Hawk in the lead role. So in the early 2000s, when Tony Hawk and his video games were blowing up everywhere, he was approached to do the movie, which would have been Space Jam 2, but then what happened was it got stuck in, like, development hell, pretty much. 
because Looney Tunes Back in Action, which was a movie that ended up going into theaters and started Brendan, Brendan Fraser, didn't perform well. And as many people know, generally, if something doesn't perform well in theaters or in ratings on TV, other ideas and spinoffs that go off of that tend to dry up. And that's what happened there. However, I think it would have definitely had been a successful movie simply because, like Michael Jordan, Tony Hawk was a household name and would have brought a lot of attention to the Looney Tunes and it brought a lot of attention to Tony Hawk, brought a lot of attention to the X Games at the time, probably. Like, there was a lot of attention that would have gone on it at the time. And it's kind of a shame that it fizzled out. I think it would be cool if he tried to do it now, but maybe Tony's a little bit too old at this point. And if they were to do a different skateboarder instead, I'm not quite sure which one they would choose to do it who would have had the same pull with the household name. So as as cool as it would have been, I would have done the same thing where it would have just been Looney Tunes doing football, hockey, maybe tennis, because I think that would actually be kind of funny. Uh, skateboarding, I can't think of, biking, biking, be like, eh, eh. Maybe not that one, but I would have totally had them do a bunch of other different sports with different athletes in the roles at the time. So kind of sad that it fizzled out, but Space Jam is always going to be one of the movies that if it comes on TV, I am going to stop and watch it. And I'm going to quote literally almost the entire thing because I cannot get over how much I love that movie. So the next movie that kind of falls into the same vein of the wackiness and everything, I'm going to talk about Air Bud. Airbud, if you don't know what it is, it is that movie with the basketball playing dog. It's pretty much all you need to know about it, and you get the gist of the movie, except for how emotionally heart wrenching it was when Buddy was trying to choose between his new owner and the old abusive one, and it looked like he was going to choose the old abusive owner before going back to the kid owner. But still, so the point of the movie is that Josh moves to a new a new city so he's a new kid at school he's really quiet and withdrawn and doesn't really fit in because he's also grieving over his father's recent death and while he's grieving he ends up finding a stray dog who follows him home he hijinks his shoe as he tries to give him a bath and brush his teeth and hide the dog from his mom and eventually over time the dog bonds with the family Josh names him Buddy and he finds out that Buddy can play basketball very, very well. So Buddy joins the school's basketball team, starts getting really famous. The old abusive owner ends up figuring out that his former dog is is famous, wants to cash in on that and take his dog back. And that's where it gets to the point where Josh and the previous owner then has to do the whole, we'll put the dog in the middle and see who he goes to, to figure out who he wants to be with kind of thing. and. Again, that's after the other emotional part where because Josh knows that Buddy isn't his dog and the other owners try to take him away, he tries to act abusive and towards Buddy so that he stays away so he's not taken away to try and like save from her. It, it's a very heartfelt, heartwarming movie. But that movie is so fun. Just watching the relationship between Josh and Buddy form and then seeing how hard it is for Josh to try and give up Buddy, it just, it really pulls your heartstrings. It's fun to watch a dog run around and play around and just act like a dog when he's trying to play basketball. And it's just, it's just fun. 
to watch the entire movie unfold. And as everybody knows, the movie did so well, it ended up having two or three sequels, of which I have watched all of them, if not having all of them, before having the spinoff of Air Buddies, which is his, well, in that continuity anyway, there's two different continuities for it, but in that continuity, it's his children who end up having their own adventures as they all end up being able to be good at their own sports in the Air Bud universe. And of course, by the time Snow Buddies comes around, that's when the dogs can talk. I thought it was better when they couldn't, but that's not my call. And in this case, I don't think I would ever redo Air Bud, primarily because I don't think there's any other dog out there that can do the same thing that Buddy could do in real life. Because again, that was an actual dog that they had do that. The dog did play Comet in an episode, if not many episodes of Full House, if you remember that show as well. Um, but you can't really capture the magic of that now because if you had an Airbud movie now, it'd just be something all over social media. And then, it, I mean, social media would be falling into it and how the dog probably would be very, very popular. And then it would question, okay, so it's the plot or I guess the the conflict of the movie is that your dog is doing very well in all these viral videos, and now you have to take the dog away so it can continuously be in all these commercials and videos and everything, and you still have to be in school. And I don't think a plot like that would be as interesting, or else the plots for the show, or the show, excuse me, the plots for the movie would fall apart faster because if you if it's in the social media age, you can easily go or the digital internet age, you can easily go online and figure out that the dog is still underneath the ownership of the abusive owner, or you would make the movie go by faster because you get proof of the abusive owner, and then the dog would be taken away. So I don't think they could recapture the magic of that one, and I would firmly like that movie and Airbud and everything Airbud related to stay in the 90s. Because even then, I did like the fact that in the movies he found a mate and had puppies. I didn't think they needed to make Air Buddies after that. So we just talked about two basketball movies, and now we're going to go in and talk about two soccer movies. Or uh, one soccer movie. I technically didn't watch this other one, but apparently it was a pretty big one in the 90s. But the soccer movie I'm talking about is the movie Ladybugs. Now, Ladybugs primarily I watched because I was in and still, rest in peace, in love with Jonathan Brandis. And that was my big draw of watching the movie. and. I would say that movie you definitely could not make now. Not, okay, so they did have a really, really good cast with Rodney Dangerfield, Jonathan Brandis, and Jack K. Harry. If you watch Sister, Sister at all, you understand why I'd be absolutely excited that Jack K. was in it. But the movie, as quickly as I can explain what it is, is that the Rodney Dangerfield plays a man who takes over a girl's soccer team that the company he works for sponsors. And then he has his stepson, not quite stepson, Jonathan Brandis, who ends up playing soccer on the same team but dressing up as a girl when he does it. Also because he has a crush on the girl on the team. A lot of the time, he the movie can be misogynistic. It can be weird, and as fun as it is, it can't much be something that you would get away with today simply because of the whole cross-dressing 
thing that goes with it and how in the 90s you really weren't censoring a lot of things. And by that, I mean, nowadays you, I mean, you have co-ed soccer teams. You have it where people who are trans go play on the team that they're supposed to play on that has it, that is the gender they represent themselves as and that they see themselves as. You have androgynous people. You have non-binary people. Like, you could not do a movie like this now. However, I did love this movie. I thought it was fun because of the hijinks of trying to dress as a boy and, or dress as a boy, dress as a boy or a girl because a lot of 90s movies had that trope for some reason now that I think about it. You dress as a, the opposite gender and you had to figure out how would you get around being found out? How would you get around being in two places at once? Like, all of that stuff was fun. And then I also just loved soccer at the time. So watching a movie that was focused around that and watching the game being played and the team getting to the point that they would win at the end, that was just incredibly fun. And then Jack K. Harry steals the show every time that she's in his scene. Rodney Dangerfield did great. I just drawn more towards Jack A. It's, it's a fun movie to watch. If you were to watch it with your kids now, I would watch it first and then decide if you would want them to watch it too and or explain a lot of the things that is going on. I would watch it with them. It's a nice kid sport movie, but like I said, there's a lot of things that you wouldn't get away with now that I would just ensure you would want your kids to see or be prepared for questions or explaining why things aren't done the same way that they are in Ladybugs. Because, like I said, society has moved on and there's some things within that movie that you could not get away with today. Some of the lines, when I rewatched it, made my eyebrows go flying up. It's enjoyable. Just, if you're going to watch it with your kids, just make sure that you explain that things are different now. So the other soccer movie, which I have never actually watched, was The Big Green. Apparently, the kid that played Ham and Sandlot was in that one. Again, I never watched the movie. I might watch it after I finish this one because it does seem interesting to me. It's a kid's sports movie and one from the 90s, so I'm probably going to enjoy it. I just never watched it. If you ever watched that movie and enjoyed it, please email me at the 90s called pod at gmail.com because I would like to know your thoughts on it, honestly. Oh, it had Bug Hall who played Alfalfa. Good to know. I might actually watch that one. Um, the plot that I'm gleaning from quickly looking around is it's the antics of a soccer team consisting of a misfit group of small town Texas kids who are coached by a teacher from England. So in this case, it probably is pretty much very similar to Mighty Ducks in that it's a bunch of kids who don't play very well, are brought together, uh, made to be a really good soccer team, and then it ends up winning at the end. Again, haven't watched it. I'll probably watch it after this. But that does segue me into two potential directions. I'm going to go with one specifically because the other one I think is a little bit more well-known, maybe, compared to, well, I guess it'd be a toss-up, so I will just quickly say they use a lot of the same kids in these movies that I'm about to mention. Uh, so the first one I'm going to mention, going into next, is probably my top, if not some of my absolute favorite kids' sports movies in general, is the Mighty Ducks trilogy. I 
love Mighty Ducks to the point that I have Funko Pops and I think three of the hockey jerseys of Mighty Ducks in my closet. I love those movies. If you have never watched Mighty Ducks, you, you absolutely need to show your kids or just watch it yourself, that movie. It might not hit the same way as it did in the 90s, but you can't not enjoy it in some way, I don't think. So if you've never seen the Mighty Ducks, which I don't know how you couldn't have even heard of them at this point, it is a series of movies starting with the first one, the Mighty Ducks, where it's the team of District 5 who are being led by Emilio Estevez's character, Gordon Bombay, to become a really good hockey team and to win the championship, specifically in that Gordon Bombay is a lawyer who has a drinking problem, who basically is put on probation by his law firm saying, if you want to still work here, you have to go on probation and you're going to do community service after he gets pulled over drunk one night, and you're going to coach this hockey team. The hockey team does consist of characters such as Charlie Conway, Jesse Hall, you had Tammy Duncan at the time, who never showed up again after that. Tommy Duncan, who, again, never showed up again after that. You got Averman, you got Goldberg. All the names that you probably could recognize by their actor or character names nowadays, all of them are on there. You had Guy Germain, you also had Connie Moreau. Like, they were all part of the hockey team, and they were not good. And Gordon Bombay has a background in hockey where he almost went to the NHL but suffered an injury. And he's also haunted by the fact that the team that the uh, who will then be called the Ducks eventually because his law firm was the Duckworth Law Firm goes against is the Hawks, which is the team that Bombay had played on as a kid. And as he's teaching District 5 how to play hockey and to be better at it and to actually take it seriously and reclaim his love for the game, it shows that he's starting to understand how he put so much pressure on himself while playing as the Hawks, and that the Hawks weren't actually playing hockey for the love of the game, but just to win. So along with that, one of the they had the second movie where after this is these movies are over twenty years old. I'm this is not a spoiler. So after winning the big championship game in the first movie, where he. As you can imagine, because, you know, it's a kid's movie. Uh, the Ducks ended up winning against the Hawks. The second movie then goes into showing how Bombay starred in the minor leagues of hockey, trying to reach the NHL, but then gets a career-ending knee injury, which takes him back to Minneapolis, which then has it that he is then made to be the coach of the Mighty Ducks, or the Ducks, just regular Ducks at the time, who is going to be representing the United States in the Junior Goodwill Games, which essentially is like the ho it's like Olympic hockey, but for kids at that point. So then that's when they end up going against Team Iceland, who is the big bad villains of that movie, to try and win the Goodwill Games, which, as you can understand that they do end up winning. More characters were brought in this movie with Julie the Cat Gaffney, you had Dwayne Robertson, you had Luis Mendoza, you had Kenny Wu, you had Portman? Yeah, I always do that. I, I don't know how I always do, but I get Portman and Fulton mixed up all the time just because their names are similar. And they're the Bash, Bash brothers, so you can't not have them like right next to each other. 
But yet, all of them added to the cast, as well as adding Keaton Thompson as Russ Tyler. So that's where, primarily, I made the comment of a lot of the same kid actors being put into other movies, because I am going to mention some other ones that they ended up popping up in. So this movie, I think, is also where it cemented Joshua Jackson as Charlie Conway as a really big name in acting to look out for. Because not only did Charlie score the winning goal with the triple deke that Bombay had in the first movie, but in this one, he kind of took on more of the the heart and the leader of the team, knowing that he doesn't need to be the one that has to be the star player. He's the captain because he knows how to lead everybody and to make it that other people get their chance to win. And that's generally what the point of that movie was. So then <clears throat> a third one ended up coming out, which was still enjoyable, but I don't think was as good as the first two, primarily because Bombay was not a main character in this one. They changed it to where it was more like a teen slash kid comedy movie, where they are all kid comedy movies, but it turned more into one because it ended up being a plot where the Ducks and then going to Eden Hall, and they were the junior varsity hockey team, and then the varsity hockey team pretty much made their lives hell, and they did it back, and their coach was a hard-ass compared to how Bombay was, like, a really big father figure to them all, especially to Charlie, and how that was a huge fallout. It Again, it was still an enjoyable movie, but I don't, me personally, I don't feel it was as good as the other ones. But I feel like all three movies... It just became pop culture icons because it was very similar to the whole Miracle Season game with U.S. and Russia and the Olympics, but it was toned out like a kid's version of it through watching these hockey players try to win their games and get over all the upsets that we're having because you rooted for them every single time because, like I said, they were basically your team and they were like your friends, so you wanted to see them succeed. And, of course, it helped that Disney then ended up making, who is now called the Anaheim Ducks, the... NHL professional hockey team, the Mighty Ducks, based off of that. Popularity off of that had it skyrocket in terms of all of the merchandise that you get for it. And then there's also the spin off TV show, animated show, The Mighty Ducks, of which I watched a little bit, didn't really get it. I might rewatch it. But you can't talk 90 sports movies without talking about the Mighty Ducks. You can't even talk about the Mighty Ducks without talking about Queens, We Are the Champions. You cannot talk about Mighty Ducks in the 90s without having so many quotes pop up from them. Mostly quack, just because that was their chant, because, you know, ducks. Um, But then there's also quotes that my sister and I throw at each other all the time if we ever just want to make each other laugh. There was a point where, there was a point, there are points where if you see someone out in public wearing a Ducks jersey and you get the reference, you either quack at them or you figure out which jersey they're wearing. Primarily, I see Conway, Banks, and Goldberg jerseys, but I'm pretty sure there's jerseys for all of them. Like I said, I have all the jerseys except for D2's Team USA jersey, and I actually kind of really want that one. Mighty Ducks is just something I can't get over in terms of if I want a feel-good movie to watch, Mighty Ducks is one of the first ones. It It made me love hockey as much as I do now. I don't watch it very much anymore, and I don't talk about it very much, but I do love hockey. I would love to go see the Ducks play in person. I would even like to be able to watch the local team 
play, but I my work schedule doesn't really lend much to that, so I kind of live vicariously through Twitter and watching it on my phone whenever I get the chance. With roller hockey being popular as it was in the 90s, it's not surprising to me that ice hockey ended up becoming popular off of that. And because they're so close to each other and because the movies were filmed in California and Los Angeles, there's a rollerblading scene at some point. So if when you watch the ducks getting together, like the reel I put up on my Instagram, you just felt like you wanted to go out rollerblading with your friends. And it happens every single time I watch those movies. It brings me back to my childhood of rollerblading everywhere. I still rollerblade now because of it. Like, you can't get past the 90s with the Mighty Ducks. I will go more into Mighty Ducks in its own episode later in the month, depending on when this is recorded. It might be out already. I don't think so. But, you know, I will 100% get into as much of the Mighty Ducks as I possibly can because I can talk about the Mighty Ducks till I am blue in the face and even past that. I love those movies. One thing I will also point out for the Mighty Ducks movies is 100% you had a favorite. And in this case, if you were a girl or a gay man who was attracted to any of the characters in the movies, chances are you were either deciding between Charlie and Adam or you were deciding between Fulton and Portman. Me, I'm an Adam girl. I have all. I have his Funko Pop. I have his jerseys. My sister is a Charlie girl. I know plenty of people who are Fulton and Portman people. Some people were into Guy, but Guy and Connie deserved each other. And if you were a guy, you were either into Connie and Julie, or Julie or both. So, just putting it out there, that was also part of the reason that a good amount of people enjoy the Mighty Ducks. So, like I said, Joshua Jackson as Charlie became very popular because of these movies as well as Dawson's Creek, which Dawson's Creek did eventually in an episode, which is one of my favorite episodes, went back and made a joke about his role in Mighty Ducks. But in general, the reason I bring it up is because there were other actors in the Mighty Ducks movies that ended up going into other movies as well. And one of them, it's just, which is still one of my absolute favorite movies, which is probably going to have its own episode in the summer, is the Sandlot because not only did the actor who played Jesse be in that was in that movie, but it was also the actor who played Luis Mendoza played Benny the Jet in the Sandlot. And the Sandlot is one of my top, top, top favorite sports movies from the nineties. It literally is up there as an even dead even match between that and Mighty Ducks, because I love both of them so much. The Sandlot, though, I think actually is probably the top for me, just because it really falls into the sense of the 90s being very much like the idea of that movie where it's the summer, where you make your friends, and you have so many great experiences through that group of friends that you made during the summer. It didn't have to be that you were playing baseball, but all of the excitement and adventure and not knowing what's going on and feeling that you belong and getting that camaraderie sense through people who weren't playing professionally and were just trying to have a good time during the summer. The Sandlot is the kind of friends that you wish you had. The Sandlot is the kind of adventures that you wish you had. It. I don't even think I can even really explain why, I, why myself and others love it so much other than being like it felt like you were at home. When watching that movie, which again is probably the reason why it's going to be its own episode, because I can go 
scene by scene talking about the best parts of it. I can talk about the you're killing me smalls quote. I can talk about the s'mores quote. The baby Ruth. Oh my god, this is the same guy. Like, look, I at times wished that I was a boy when I was a kid just because of the camaraderie that the boys had in that movie because girls, in my opinion at the time, didn't have the same sort of things. And again, I was a tomboy, and still am in many ways, but I was a tomboy, massive tomboy growing up. So I wanted to be able to do those same things. But, you know, boys and girls can't necessarily do that same thing because feelings get in the way, crushes get in the way, boys having cooties, girls having cooties, all that stuff. It all gets in the way of it. But The Sandlot was the kind of movie that made it that you absolutely felt like you belonged, that you had friends, that you had adventures you were going on. It was the nostalgia that I didn't know I had until I had it, until I rewatched the movie. I can watch Sandlot probably six, seven times in a row and not get bored of it. It's just such an amazing, amazing sport movie. And it's just really, I mean, having James O. Jones in it, great but it's just really really funny because it gets into the idea of what it is to be a, what it was to be a kid back then even though the movie is set in like the 70s it still still has a ring of like the 90s in it too probably because of when it came out the biggest thing about it i think that really helped is because i've watched a lot of interviews and read a lot of behind the scenes things for this movie is that the cast members they actually became brothers and, like, best friends in the sense of filming the movie. Like, they were a bunch of boys and a bunch of kids just running around, being able to do whatever they want, having, essentially, a summer vacation of doing a movie of summer vacation. And it was just very palpable throughout the entire thing. And it's something that I envied and wish that I had a lot more of when I was a kid. And it's something that, if I want to feel that, I can go back and feel it through that movie. It also helps that I and pretty much every other girl and probably gay man back then had a massive crush on Benny. I loved him as Louise and Mighty Ducks as well. So it literally was a twofer for me. If I watch one, I have to watch the other just because I, I have a huge, I love that man. Um, so yeah, just throw that out there as well. That's also a big draw <laughs> for me. Pretty sure it is for some other people too. But speaking of baseball movies, there were a lot of baseball sports movies in the 90s because they had Sandlot, Rookie of the Year, Little Big League, and Angels in the Outfield. Those are the four that I remember specifically, even though I didn't watch half of them. I watched Angels in the Outfield in the Sandlot. I watched a trailer for Little Big League and for Rookie of the Year didn't think I'd be interested in it, and I'm probably going to go back and watch it, because when I was doing research for 90 sports movies for this podcast in general, those four came up the most, in, other than Mighty Ducks, in the list of more than popular movies. So I guess there was something with baseball in the 90s, because those movies were the top picks of all of them. If you've ever watched Angels of the Outfield, Little Big League, or Rookie of the Year, please give me your thoughts on the 90s Called Pod at gmail.com or my Instagram, 90s Called Pod. I will watch it and I will give my input, but I'd like to know what you guys think of it too. So I couldn't get through the sports movies ones without mentioning those as well because I knew someone would kill me. And then I can't forget football. There was, I mean, other than Airbud 2, 
I think that's, yeah, football was Air Bud 2. There's also the other football movie, which is one of my absolute favorite sports movies from the 90s that we have to talk about, which is Little Giants. So, Little Giants, I'm going to call myself out. I primarily love Little Giants just because I love Devin Sawa. He was one of my celebrity crushes from the 90s. He still is one of my celebrity crushes. I just loved him, and I love that he was in this movie. But Little Giants, again, like I said before, is the movie that specifically made me want to do this topic for the podcast for the month because I watch Little Giants every year around Thanksgiving. It's just a good Thanksgiving movie. You know, football, Thanksgiving kind of go hand in hand. It's just a fun, fun movie. It follows the same formula as almost every other sport movie in the 90s. It follows a ragtag team of misfits and their nerdy coach who tries to win the championship for their city because the coach of the team that generally tends to win and is like steamrolls everybody else is the nerdy coach's brother. But really what drives it so that they do have this conflict in the movie is the nerdy coach, Danny, he lives in the shadow of his older brother, Kevin, like I mentioned before, but he also has a daughter named Becky, whose nickname is the Icebox, who is a phenomenal football player who tried out for Kevin's football team, but was cut because she was a girl. So Danny then makes his own football team, so Icebox and the rest of the people that didn't get on Kevin's team have their team to play on and eventually end up like, you know, winning because it's a it's a 90 sports movie. They usually end up winning. And of course, you have Devin Sawa in there as the character who is really good at football and is the character that Icebox has a crush on, which makes things, you know, a little a little awkward, especially because it's also a coming of age movie and the fact that Icebox, like a lot of girls in the nineties who are a little bit more tomboy, gets a crush on a boy and then tries to figure out well, does he like the girlier girls and not me? And should I change to be that way? Or is it better for myself? And like I said, I, I definitely related to that. And sometimes I do still wonder if, if that's something that I should do. But I am 100% confident and secure in myself now. But that is something that I, myself, and other tomboy-ish girls struggled with over the years. And it's the same thing that we struggle with, too, where we like playing a sport and generally, there were only guys' teams that would play. And I primarily felt this during recess in PE. I'm just going to say it. A lot of the times, guys in PE acted as if the sports we were playing, they were trying out for the Olympics. They took it way too damn seriously. It took the fun out of it. So then it ended up being that I would get more angry when playing rather than having fun, which then got even worse if it was that you can't play because you're a girl thing, which would make me even angrier. And it's a whole thing. But it's just a fun movie because it literally has it where everybody can relate to somebody in that movie, whether it's from the adult characters or from the kid characters. And then you also have some of the really good quotes that come from that movie as well. Some of the ones that you might not have even known it came from Little Giants. And if you watch it now, you'll recognize it. I highly recommend it. I think the movie could still do well if it was remade today. I hope, gosh, that they don't... Okay, well, Mighty Ducks we'll get to later. I hope they don't remake Mighty Ducks, even though they kind of did with the show. Because I don't think you could... 
Okay, so I don't think that you can really redo 90s sports movies now because you can't recapture that magic, like I said earlier. If if they did redo Little Giants, I think it would be fun if they still got the girl who played Icebox and Devin Sawa in it. It'd be awesome if they got Rick Moranis, who played Danny O'Shea, to be in the movie as well. I think that you could easily redo Little Giants. I'm just a little more wary of how that could be done. It could be good, but I'd be a little bit more wary. So to wrap things up, I'm going to talk about sports movies that technically, technically don't count as sports movies. Because the two that really stick to mind in terms of that is Heavyweights and Three Ninjas. Although technically I could also throw Karate Kid in there as well because it became popular in the 90s. But we're going to do Heavyweights and Three Ninjas. So... Heavyweights, I absolutely love the movie Heavyweights. You probably could not do that movie now, though. Because Heavyweights is a movie about kids who are sent to fat camp. And as much of the summer camp nature it has of everything that you can really relate to, they heavily, heavily push forward the idea of fat is wrong. And they body shame. And that's why I wouldn't make the movie now. But if you were going to show your kids this movie, that's where you explain that it's a, it was a different time. Things weren't as taboo back then as they are now. It isn't the same sort of things that you would do now. But it is a highly enjoyable movie, especially if you want to watch Ben Stiller go absolutely fucking crazy in the movie. He is nuts. He is the best part of that movie. I laugh every time I watch him go crazy. It is that very, very iconic scene of him stepping over the broken glass and screeching his head off. That is hilarious to me. And the other reason why it's brought up is because Carp in Mighty Ducks is in that movie. And so is Russ Tyler, a.k.a. Keenan Thompson. He is also in Heavyweights. And so is Greg Goldberg, Sean Weiss. He is also in Heavyweights because they primarily used the same actors at that time. And they all just have a really big chemistry with each other as they're trying to enjoy their the fat camp that they're at and trying to enjoy themselves and try to lose weight and try to gain confidence in themselves, it does have a good message with the male counselor type character in the movie who's like a father figure big brother to the boys in the camp. But like I said, there's, there's a good amount of them that you wouldn't watch, or at least you wouldn't necessarily want to watch with your kids without watching first. But it is a really good and really funny movie. And then the last movie that technically does not count as a sports movie is Three Ninjas. Three Ninjas follows Rocky, Colt, and Tum Tum as they learn ninja from their grandfather and all the adventures that comes with it. There are four movies in existence, though I like to pretend that the fourth one doesn't exist because they completely changed the cast and that movie was not great. But I enjoyed all three of them. Quite frankly, that is probably the movie that I have a lot of background info knowledge on that I really do not need to have, but I loved it so much anyway. To me, it was on par with the Mighty Ducks because if I'm watching the Mighty Ducks, I'm watching Three Ninjas. If I'm watching Three Ninjas, I'm watching the Mighty Ducks. Something about those movies ended up being that they felt very similar, but also very different in the way of how they... how formulaic they were because with Three Ninjas, you actually had actual stakes in as much of a kid movie as you could go through. Because in the first movie, Rocky Colton Tum Tum, or Samuel Jeffrey and Michael, I was about to say Mikey, I don't know why, 
personally, I refer to him as Mikey, whatever. They all get their ninja names of Rocky, Colton, Tum Tum from their grandfather after they spend another summer learning ninja from their grandfather. Their father is the FBI agent, Sam Douglas, who has a foreign nemesis on the FBI watch list named Snyder, who managed to evade him again. And Snyder is the boys' grandfather's old business partner, who also had a relationship with their mother ages and ages ago, or at least had a crush on her. It's implied. Nobody ever actually knows for sure. Anyway, their lives are intertwined. That's pretty much all you need to know. So Snyder then goes to the grandfather's cabin while Rocky, Colton, and are there and attack him, basically saying, oh, hey, you still know all the ninja stuff that you taught me. We should go into business for this. However, Snyder knows all of the ninja moves for his evil, nefarious dealings into murder, while Mori does it really much just for peace of mind, uh, tranquility, being a good person, things like that. So, as the movie goes on, because Sam and Snyder are in a conflict with each other, Snyder realizes the best way to get Sam off his back is if he kidnaps their kids, which is where he gets to the Home Alone style of things that happen when the kidnappers try to kidnap Rocky Colton Tum Tum from their house. And then later, he does kidnap them, and then they go to a Navy ship. I'm pretty sure it's a Navy warship. I really don't know for sure. And that's where the stakes get bigger because Snyder legitimately wants to shoot and kill and murder these boys along with Maury just to get back at Sam Douglas. So, that caught my attention because martial arts, they learned ninja. At that point, Power Rangers was a huge thing. Everybody wanted to learn how to do martial arts and karate and taekwondo and ninja, even though I don't even know if you would consider ninja quote-unquote an actual thing in the three ninjas movies or if it's just another way of saying taekwondo and everybody wanted to learn how to do it at the time everybody loved going to the to the playground or recess and punching and kicking and pretending like they were martial artists and everything it was all big back then but I love the movie because of that and because of the home alone aspect to it and because it held onto the 90s idea of we're going on an adventure, and things are going to work out, and this is going to be really fun and really cool, because it threw this slapstick comedy into everything as well. And it just worked. Again, like Mighty Ducks, it also happened where if you were a girl, or if you were bi, or if you were gay, that chances were you were fighting over whether or not you thought Rocky or Colt was the better-looking boy, and they were your favorite. Because Rocky was the one who is, like, the oldest brother is more calm, cool, collected. He doesn't fight unless he has to, and if he does, he can do it well. And then Colt was more of the bad boy brother who, I mean, keep in mind, they were, like, 12 and 13 in these movies. But it was, like, the bad boy brother who had a temper and would fight any chance he got. And if you were around that age when you were watching it, you fell for it, hook, line, and sinker. I 100% did. Rocky was my favorite. Colt was my sister's. Which is actually really funny because Colt was my favorite at first and Rocky's was hers at first and then we flipped. But if you ask anybody online who was your favorite, it's going to be a choice between Rocky and Colt. But this is also where the quote, Rocky Loves Emily comes from, which is where the band got their title. The band got their title from. The band got their name from. 
And that's also where you got the first we feast, then we fel felony line from. I can't say for sure that's where first we feast got it from for the guys that do hot ones. I would like to think that's what it is because that's the only place I would know where I would have that uh, connection right away. But, you know, I, I can't say that for sure. But, like, so many different pop culture lines at the time came from that movie. Pri oh, primarily, primarily, it was Rocky Loves Emily. And then if you haven't seen Three Ninjas, I bet you you've seen the... This is an issue now. I bet you've seen this dance scene from the third Three Ninjas movie where they had a plot where they were trying to save a Native American reservation. I bet you've seen that scene. The reason my voice went like that, though, into the kind of a eye-rolly kind of thing is because, one, it was cringe, but two, because because of that movie, I don't think you could remake them the same way? Question mark? Because, first of all, you basically got the 90s in a bottle in that movie. Like, that literally is, like, one of the quintessential... If you want to see what the 90s were like, that's like it felt like that's literally what a quintessential 90s feeling is, is Three Ninjas movies. But there's also a lot of eyebrow-raising and questionable things that you definitely would not get away with now in those movies. It's primarily in the one where they go to Japan, which was the second one, and the one where they help the Native American Reservation, which is the third one. I love the movies. I can find faults in them very easily, especially because of those plots. So that's a thing that you might need to watch out for. It's nothing like incredibly in your face, but it's something that you would kind of side-eye if you watched it now. However, in terms of ever that movie being brought back, there was a time, probably just before the pandemic, and just before Cobra Kai, where some of the actors and actresses from the Three Ninjas movies were trying to have a continuation of the movies happen. It wasn't going to be a reboot. It was going to be an actual continuation where you saw Rocky, Colt, and Tum Tum as adults. Their friend Emily slash Rocky's crush Emily, who may or may not have been together with Emily by the time this show came around because they did plan on it being a show. It was going to have all of them and show what their life was then and how they were going to go still on Ninja Adventures because their kids were kidnapped or something like that. I watched a bunch of podcasts that the cast members were on and read a couple of newspapers that they were on where it was the fact that the girl who played Emily, Kate Sargent, was the one who essentially came up with the idea of what the Three Ninjas show was going to be. But then the pandemic happened, and then next thing you knew, Cobra Kai came out, which kind of was a similar idea of what they were going to do with Three Ninjas, and it kind of fell by the wayside. However, this is the thing that makes me kind of mad. There is rumors that there is going to be a Three Ninjas show and or reboot, because ages ago, maybe like a year, year and a half ago, we saw an entry in IMDb talking about how there was going to be a new one where... It was that Rocky, Colt, and Tum Tum were going to save their family and their wealth from the villain. And I got angry because, yes, these guys are white and rich, but their wealth was never actually made a point in the movies. And the fact that they wanted to hammer home that they were trying to save their wealth from this guy was like, you completely missed the mark of what Three Ninjas was supposed to be. 
not that it was even supposed to be like a deep thing or anything. It was just a bunch of kids who were doing ninja over almost absolutely anything at that point. But the fact that you want to reduce it to a bunch of white kids trying to protect their riches, I did not like the idea of that. So I am perfectly fine with three ninjas being where it's at. If they decide to make a continuation of it, kind of like Cobra Kai or kind of like how they did Midas Game Changers, I 100% would give it a chance, especially because they planned on getting the original cast for it. Michael Treanor, who played the original Rocky, probably would not be the actor to do it. He has completely stepped away from the acting limelight. They might, might be able to talk him back into doing it because they've tried. He's kind of like hemmed and hawed over it over the years. But it maybe Sean Fox might be the one to do it. But even then, who is the second Rocky? Even then, he probably wouldn't either because now he's a professor in London. So that might not be a thing. So the new Rocky, I would am probably going to have to take with a grain of salt. But if they got Max Elliott Slade and Chad Power back, which they did plan on doing, I 100% would watch it. I, I could suck it up for a new actor for Rocky, if that's the case. But in general, that movie technically doesn't count as a sport movie for the 90s, but it was still a huge movie in the 90s, which, again, the fourth one does not exist because that was kind of ridiculous. Thank you guys again for joining me for this episode of the 90s Called Podcast. That was kind of a weird way for me to end things, but I wasn't quite sure how to tie it together and not have this drag on much longer than it was. I do have a lot of sports movies that's coming up that'll go more in depth to their plots and what made them so iconic for the 90s for the rest of this month. And then in December, we're going to the holidays, so we're going to be starting talking about more holiday-type things for podcast episodes. And then in the new year, we'll be going back into the 90s things in general. I do have some more guests that are coming up. I do have some special things that we're going to be doing for the Thanksgiving and Christmas episodes. And I can't wait for you guys to hear everything. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram with the 90s called pod. We have a Facebook page of the 90s called. And I do also have email the 90s called pod at gmail.com. Make sure that you do share and like and subscribe and follow and rate and do whatever you do with this podcast. It is available on all podcasts anywhere you get them, anywhere you listen to them. And I'm always taking suggestions on how to make things better. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Have a nice day.